0: Hello and welcome to the Cisco Technology Podcast. It's me, Justin Woolen, and uh, you can have, you follow us on Twitter and on LinkedIn as well if you look for at, uh, Justin Woolen, uh on both LinkedIn and Twitter. So um, today, uh, this is the first, the first of hopefully going to be a few more, but this is a, a lockdown podcast. We're recording it uh, live over the, over the power of technology or using Cisco Webex. Uh, there you go. That's that's the uh, that's the people in charge happy and uh, but I'm not enjoyed by any of my local co-hosts, but I've actually got a bit of a Welsh theme on today. I'm joined by some other people from the great country of Wales, but we'll delve into that a bit later on. Uh, but today um, the marketing team asked me to talk about uh, cloud and cloud. What is it and why is it important and the complexities of cloud? And as most people know who listen to the podcast, I don't know a lot about anything else other than Wi-Fi so, or networking. So it's really nice to have somebody on who knows what they're talking about. So I'm joined by a couple of people today. Um, joined by Kingsley, Asim and Matthias. Um, Kingsley and Asim both work for Cisco. And uh, Mateus joins us from uh, one of our lovely partners, Natillic. So uh, as I always say with a podcast, wh- hello, Kingsley. What's your name? Where would you come from?
1: hi there justin so yeah my my name is kingsley hughes morgan um i'm part of the cross architecture team here at cisco um my previous experience dates back to uh being one of the ctos covering the EMEA region where i was responsible for advising our customers on their digital transformation initiatives
0: there you go <laughs> but but also you're from wales there you go um asim, asim do you want to introduce yourself
2: yeah, hi Justin. Great to be here. So, I'll start off by saying I'm from Wales as well, to keep you happy. Good. Um, so, I live in a town in a called Ponteclean, which is just outside Cardiff. Um, and I run the pre-sales team for a product called CWOM, Cisco Workflow Optimization Manager. So, we'll talk more about that as we go through. But yeah, definitely from Wales.
0: And Matthias, welcome.
3: Hi Justin. Thank you for having me. Uh, and as you can see, as you can hear from my name, I'm definitely not from Wales, um, I'm currently based in Prague, uh, I'm a principal architect in Natalik. Uh I've been working networking for many, many years, uh, I was working in companies like IBM, Google, uh, BT, but for the last three and a half years I'm working in Natalik uh, as a principal architect with the focus on the DC public cloud and uh, everything cool around the APIs, because everything is happening right now around the API's in the public cloud um, just briefly about you know who we are as a League, uh, we're Cisco gold partner helping on clients uh, with their data center enterprise and a security strategy uh, for the last few years we are focusing on uh, the software defined networking in a DC campus and when and obviously the public cloud and uh, helping our clients on the journey to the to the public cloud uh, and being their confident guide
0: Lovely. Thank you so much. So um, moving on to what you mean, the thing that always comes to my head is what is cloud and why is it important?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think cloud really is about a new way of consuming compute or a different way, right? So there's, you know, there's some some well-known characteristics such as on demand, multi-tenancy, elasticity, you know those are the real things that we should be talking about in cloud and, and it's not just about public cloud right so cloud is how do we consume compute in a way where people can access it easily can get more of it can get less of it and, and can use it effectively so that's what cloud is about for me
0: kingsley do you have any differing thoughts
2: no no it's all i i would
1: i'd agree with everything that asim just mentioned and offer kind of a different perspective on it as well. You look at the market itself that is cloud, it's, it's growing at a pretty, pretty staggering rate. Um, a couple of figures that, that I tend to use is back in 2019, the cloud market was circa 230 billion dollars um, and the forecast for, for growth, so the comp- compound annual growth rate is near 30%, and that by about 2023 is going to reach about 500 billion dollars. So it shows the focus on on cloud technology. And the the way that I like to think about cloud is it it kind of represents a a shift in the way that businesses actually do business. Right? There's there's a complete shift in the buy-in model itself, meaning you you can essentially rent what you need for as long as you want it, and pay no more. So you're minimising all of that capital expenditure. And I think that that's a bit of
3: a, a why behind the cloud is important.
0: Mateus, what's your what's your feedback on that?
3: So from my perspective, and uh, from the experience with our clients, uh, it's uh, it's not just about how to consume and you know being flexible in consuming the compute. It's also about consuming the services. Um, our clients, and uh, that's what we're trying to emphasize to to our clients. It's not about shifting your compute into the public cloud and uh, it's all done. Uh, it's about being a smart and uh, being able to and, and do the way you are consuming the services rather than just the compute. Uh, I'm talking about for instance databases uh, But I'm also talking about these services like uh, you know, Your office tools and stuff So, uh, that's that's the way uh, I'm, I'm seeing public cloud and it goes nicely into that. Uh, efficiency and the flexibility which our clients are finding in a public cloud
0: okay lovely and do, do you move you mean i sort of think about it and go right okay cloud again for my layman's terms is more around is it just your compute that you would run all the servers that you'd be running in your own data center or in your own cupboard inside your own buildings or whatever that just goes off into somebody else's hosting and running that for you in by a, as a cloud provider so you 're not holding anything on prem but is is that purely just a cost saving exercise or is there actual other benefits to it
1: I, I think there's a number of benefits right cost is cost is potentially one depending on how the cloud is leveraged but there are other reasons as well. I mean, Asim touched upon one just a second ago with agility. What you have is really easy access to a broad range of technologies, which allows businesses to innovate faster and pretty much build anything that they like, right? You think about, you think about what we were doing 15 years ago, and there was a concept of, of spinning up technology at a moment's notice, that, that was kind of a pipe dream. Now, now we can have infrastructure in less than 60 seconds so agility is a big part of that the next the next element i i tend to think about is elasticity so lots of businesses have these seasonality trends justin you think about cyber monday for instance um leveraging cloud-based technology allows a business to scale when it requires it right um and that that kind of is where cost savings gets looped in you know there's there's a big uh, business benefit um which allows you to trade off your capital expenditure costs to more of a pay as you can consume model and this this kind of this enables you to scale both the outgoings of the business as the income grows right so it allows you to grow as the business grows and the last point that i'll touch upon here is geographic expansion it provides you with the ability to expand your focus area your market penetration um, in in quite a succinct manner because oftentimes startups focus on a particular region, which is usually where they're based, but now they have the ability to scale up into other regions in, in minutes, right? And that, that represents a huge potential for, for business growth. So I, I don't think it's all about cost savings. I think there's a, there's a number of other benefits as well.
2: Yeah, so interestingly, so I want to build on what Matea said, right? So there's a difference between cloud as in, you know, I don't want to look after these servers anymore, right? Put them in somewhere else's data center and then there's the evolution of cloud right around these cloud services and that for me is more about talking about cloud native right so you could you know get someone else to run your servers anyway right with a colo and you could take away that you know that that need to maintain them cloud native is more about how do i start to leverage the cloud in a way where my applications Can really leverage cloud, okay, and and that's a different topic, and that's more about um, are they stateless, right? Um, Can they really grow in a in a um, you know in a in a fashion that allows me to uh, you know generate load in different areas? So what I mean by that is instead of just saying I need more memory, saying this portion of my app requires more resource, so I want it to be microservices based, so I can take more orders in this way or I can grow in this fashion so cloud native really is where people want to get to um, and that requires a lot of work and that requires rewriting applications to really be cloud native so they can really leverage those cloud services and that is a much bigger journey than just moving something to the cloud.
0: So the thing that I find really really interesting because you've talked a bit about sort of the market there kingsley as well didn't you you said about how the how the market is growing in the cloud and the cloud market and things like that and it's but it's how do you get there you mean the bit that i'm struggling with is is then you go right you mean, and, and i'm sure there's everything in between as well if a customer goes right my applications are hosted locally i've got some in the cloud i've got some wherever uh, i'm consuming software as a service but what what does the strategy look like you mean what does what's the best practice of getting into the cloud Go on in Kingsley, you go.
1: Moving to the cloud is a really complex undertaking, right, which requires probably more planning than most organizations put in. There's, there's oftentimes a lot of focus put in the execution element, but um, the planning is, is often overlooked. So if we kind of break this down step by step, and I'd be interested to hear Aseem and, and Matthias weigh in on this as well, but the first thing for me, right, is a business needs to step back and gain a little bit of clarity as to, to why they're doing it in the first place. It is moving to the cloud part of a strategic initiative as opposed to just a current market trend that may or may not have benefit? If, if the answer is yes, then it should be something that's part of a, um, a digital transformation program, right? The next bit is, is understanding what is within the estate. Um, to a point that made earlier, some parts of an application can be very easily shifted to the cloud. However, there are other parts that are that are often a struggle, right? And as part of moving to the cloud, what a business needs to do is ask itself whether that that shift is a is a simple one, a lift and shift over, or they're going to carry out some sort of modernization as part of it, whether it's moving from traditional application architectures to containers or Containers to serverless or, or a mixture of all of these things, right? They, that, that's a big question mark, and, and it requires lots of thought. The next element is, is planning. So, you know, you need, to, you need to prioritize your applications and the components that you're going to be moving. That, that's critical. Um, and as part of that, you need to understand what the dependencies are within the application itself, because moving something that has a high dependency on something that's being left on-prem, can have a, a huge impact on, on the customer experience. So the next step is obviously figuring out who, who you're going to move to, what cloud provider are you going to choose? And, and that's also fairly, fairly complex. You need to figure out what services you want to leverage, what's best suited from a cloud provider perspective, and, and that needs to form part of the decision-making around it. And, and once you have that, that kind of understanding of the cloud that you're transitioning to, the, the next question is, what type of cloud am I going to adopt? You know, is it is it a public cloud? Is it is it a private cloud? Am I going to have a hybrid-based architecture? And you know, things like security and, and network inform part of that that kind of decision process as well. And what what I've seen is that usually organisations um, they tend to configure infrastructure in alignment to what they've they've used in an on-prem world, and and that's a pretty surefire way of, of spending too much money on cloud resource. So you need to baseline what you're using on-prem and make sure what you leverage in the cloud isn't in accordance to what you provisioned on-prem, but what you actually need.
0: So what, do, what you're saying just, is that don't just think it's like, look at all the compute that I'm using already on-premise and go, right, I need to just duplicate that into the cloud. It's actually looking at the functions that you need and then scaling it to the actual what you want to use, not um, not what you already have. Is that a fair? Is that, is that is that what I've understood?
1: Yeah, yeah, it kind of is, right? Because oftentimes what you do in a in a, an on-premise scenario is you you provision virtual machines in accordance to some sort of capability that you're deploying on it. That that doesn't mean that you're fully using what you've deployed into. So what you need to deploy in the cloud environment is what your application needs rather than what it's,
0: it's a bit more like to use it's a bit like just-in-time sort of compute in the sense of I don't need to over-provision just in case, I provision for what I need and when you start to think, well, actually, I do need some more memory, compute, whatever, then you just bring it in when you need it. Is that fair? Exactly. exactly. Oh, I'm learning. Back, back to, I'm learning. Back, back to one of the points we've all met. Well, I think everyone's mentioned this. Elasticity, right? Oh, that's, is, that's is that exactly a fancy word I'm for wondering. what I just said? You just said it in one word. <laughs>
1: it is, yeah. Elasticity. <laughs> um
0: you know the one thing that sort of sticks into my in my head and again that's in the notes that have been provided by marketing is about this there's, there's not just one cloud is it there's pl- pl- i can say lots of clouds out there, or there are there other cloud providers and and that sort of brings up the word which is a an industry term multi-cloud so where does that all fit in you I mean do you have them all sitting in one do you just pick one and then move to another is it like having a I don't know, a different car for different occasions, like I'm doing a long drive down the M4, I'm gonna pick the comfy one, I'm gonna go for a spin out on the weekend, I'm gonna pick, pick my little two-seater. I, haven't, I don't have any of those cars either.
3: No, it was it was great. I, I totally agree with what you said. Uh, you know, and that's why I mentioned at the beginning, I'm not really seeing public cloud only for the uh, compute consumption, but the service consumption. Um, and in my opinion, that's where most of the savings are coming in place. Um, if you move the stuff into the public cloud you' um, like shifting you know lift and shift your compute into the public cloud usually doesn 't mean necessarily you're going to save some money in my in my experience with the clients uh, where the savings are usually coming in place is when you are trying to be a little bit more smart uh, and you are starting to consume the services from the public cloud uh, you migrate you know let's say your databases and, and consume them as a service from the public cloud um, Obviously, that brings some challenges. And that's why you know, uh, we are trying to be the confident guide to our clients on this one. Because from our experience, uh, you need to be aware of loads of cons uh, with this kind of approach. Uh, you know, if, you, if you start consuming the databases in, let's say, AWS, uh, you have to expect you're going to be locked down to the database in AWS. Um, and it's going to be uh, at least very difficult to migrate to other databases uh, on the other public clouds. Uh, and that could be one of the reasons, you know, why uh, clients are picking multiple uh, public clouds uh, providers, because you know sometimes they just want to run the databases in two different public cloud providers. The reason for that is uh, their strategy in the long term. Maybe they're running one type of a database for now, but let's say in a year or two they want to move into something more performing, uh, and that's something which, for instance, GCP can offer them. Um, but the reason could be also the specializations. Uh, we're seeing the clients who are onboarding multiple public cloud providers because GCP is, for instance, very strong.
0: What's the, GCP? Uh, sorry, uh, we have a rule of, of no acronyms. Explain yeah, yeah. Uh, Google, it to me, Google, please, Mateus. Google Cloud, cloud Platform, Google cloud
3: Platform. So, GCP. Yes, yes, indeed. So we have three major players right now. Uh, it's the AWS Azure and it's the Google uh, Cloud Platform, which is called GCP. Um, and each of those, you know, they have some some pros and cons and some strong uh, strong uh, stuff. Like for instance, GCP it's mainly uh, very strong from the AI perspective. It obviously has a large data centers with loads of compute power. Uh, so uh, loads of, for instance, researchers or some of our clients who are focused on the AI and the research uh, are using. AWS is obviously very strong and very uh, focused in the amount of the services they're offering. So they have like, you know, a wide range of services. And uh, some of these services are really hard to find from the other public providers. So uh, that's why uh, you know coming in place this uh, multi-cloud uh, approach and uh, why we are uh, recommending it to our clients. Because from the long-term strategy, it just makes sense in my opinion.
0: So, so, just to, so I've understood that then, is that you pick your cloud provider on what are the outcomes that you want to get or what are the things you yeah. the applications or the databases or the things so you've got to be a bit more you've got to know what you're looking for or you got to know what you're you exactly. what, and then you go look for the appropriate provider for that so you could have multiple cloud providers based on the, the outcomes or the applications or the, the services that you want to consume yeah. is that fair one
3: yeah it's it's about the priorities you know some clients their priorities to save money uh and sometimes they have already microsoft licensing in place and, you know they have a really good price from the Azure, so they go Azure, even though maybe AWS would be better from the performance perspective. But the performance is not really priority at this stage for them. Their priority is the cost, so they go Azure. So there is lots of reasons, you know, why clients are going uh, for like particular public cloud providers. And mm-hmm. uh, from my experience, is never the same. You know, there's always like you know different priorities. Different
2: okay,
0: thank you, Asim. What's your thoughts? Are you be I can see you on video champing at the bit to dive in
2: so uh, an interesting one that keeps coming up for me is and i had this yesterday <clears throat> massive massive financial organization and part of their cloud strategy is that whatever they do they want to make sure they can exit that cloud within 12 months right so mm-hmm. people are really starting to think about vendor in. and i think this then brings up an interesting discussion about which cloud services should we leverage? Because if we go too far into, a, say, Lambda...
0: What's a Lambda? I have no clue what that is. What is that?
2: Yeah, so, so Lambda is basically this concept of function as a service, right? So there's no VM, there's no container. I upload my code, and my code... Now, there is, obviously, a VM in a container, but I don't, I don't see it. I upload my code, and my code just runs, and I pay for the amount of resource used to run my code okay so it's literally just
0: so it's it's a bit like having so a car episode. but only paying for the mileage you use it for oh my god I'm the
2: wrong way yeah it would kind of be like it would be like it would be like not even having a car it would be more like one of these sort of you know uh, i'm going to use a car for two hours yeah right it would be like that right so it'd be, I, don't, I don't own a car anymore i i want to go to the shops therefore i'm going to use whatever car they give me do my shopping and then I, I don't own the car at all right so it's what they call serverless right and so the the, the question then is and that's what what we're seeing is more and more people are saying, okay i'm going to go with some flavor of kubernetes right i know you can ask me justin what's kubernetes okay, you're learning so I'll, I'll start with that yeah so kubernetes okay kubernetes is a container orchestration platform okay and, it, and it's actually a google project and it it's it came from So in Google, everything's been running in a container for probably at least a decade. Okay, using an orchestration system called Borg, and then Kubernetes is a project that came from Borg, which is about running containers at scale. Okay, and there's lots of different flavors of Kubernetes. So OpenShift is Red Hat's version of Kubernetes, a bit more commercialised. In AWS, you've got EKS, which is Kubernetes. You've got AKS in Azure, Kubernetes in Google, you've got GKE, Kubernetes, you've got Cisco Container Platform, which is Kubernetes. So by going with a Kubernetes derivative in whatever cloud you're in, it's a bit easier to move away, right? Because it's still Kubernetes, you've still got...
0: So, so Kubernetes, the value of it, and, and the reason it's, it's valuable to the conversation that we're having now is that bit of how quickly can I exit from or move cloud? It's,
2: yeah, that's is that one right? Of the, one, of the, one of the factors, right... But the main factor is, is it's kind of like a, it's won the battle, right? So it doesn't matter. So a good analogy would be Android, right? You can use Android on a Samsung phone on a whatever vendor phone, but you've still got this similar operating system. And that's what Google have done with Kubernetes. They've created this platform or, or, or software that everyone can use. It doesn't matter what vendor you're in, right? So what that means is if I build an application that runs in containers orchestrated by Kubernetes, it would be a lot easier for me to move from on-prem to Google to AWS to Azure and be a little bit more platform independent. Whereas if I build a whole application that uses AWS API gateway and AWS Lambda and then one of AWS's databases. I'm a bit more stuck to AWS. All right. I'm okay. So work to move away.
0: So the Kubernetes thing is about using that container platform that allows you to migrate and move it to different clouds. It works on all clouds. Is that a fair thing to say?
2: Yeah. And yeah, definitely. It's definitely a, a big factor that people. You're are not
0: having to rewrite stuff, and, and it, yeah.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And again, <laughs> this is back to what I said earlier about the difference between cloud and cloud native. Cloud Native is about having my applications that are really, you know, able to leverage cloud. And, you know, so a a good example here would be, you know, when we first started talking about cloud, people said, oh, I'm going to be able to burst into the cloud, right? And we think about that as a concept. If I've got a load of VMs that are massive, can I really burst into the cloud? Not really, right? It would probably take three days to migrate my database into the cloud, right? So I'm not really bursting. Whereas if I've built my application to be cloud native, I could spin up more containers for a short period and actually burst into the cloud and use a load of resource and then turn them off again. And that's what being cloud native will really Mm -hmm. allow me to do is to really leverage cloud in this kind of burst capacity and, and scaling and contracting. And that's really what becoming cloud native will enable us to do.
0: All right. Kingsley, you've been patiently sitting there
1: I have indeed. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with everything that, that Asim and uh, Matthias have just just mentioned. I mean, the the conversations that I've been having with our customers is that they're they're definitely looking to take as vendor agnostic approach as physically possible, for the varieties of reasons that we've we've just discussed. Um, and and the decision as to who you go do, go with is based on generally what you've historically used, i.e., developed applications in. Um, plus what you're looking to achieve in the cloud itself. But I've, I've not yet seen a, compi- a, a committed approach to leveraging one cloud provider as of yet. It's always been a, a hybrid or a multi-cloud
0: approach. They, they all add value in a certain kind of way. So if you can have a proper Absolutely. cloud strategy, you've got to look at what are the outcomes or what are the things you're looking for and w- where you're going to get that from. In, in, from a it's about like shopping, isn't it? You're going, oh, I know I get, my, I get my bits over here, I get my fresh over there, I get my meat over there, I get my... My household stuff from over there, but it's getting your. I don't know if that's a great analogy, but it's the. bit you've got to consume what's right for you, and you don't have to be stuck to one to one provider. Is that a fair, one? Exactly. Is that what you're all trying to get out is say? If I understand, if that's what I've got, if I've got it right, then I, hopefully the listeners have got it as well. Then
2: I loved your analogy, Justin. I really liked it.
0: <laughs> I just thinking about lockdown shopping. Is that we don't get it all from anywhere. We just get it from we're getting it from our different providers. We get our, our we use a local butcher for something. We use a local greengrocer for something else. We lose we we go get the, the 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 fundamentals from the big supermarkets, um, scrounging scrounge and so <laughs> Anyway, I'm moving on, moving on. Sorry, but uh, all right. So so um, going on to that then. So so we talk about experience a lot in Cisco, and and even from my perspective, we talk about user experience. So, um, but the thing that I talk about in this cloud world is about sort of the digital experience and the customer experience. Can who wants to pick that up from that perspective? Because that's something that we, it gets ban- experience gets banged around a lot. But what does it actually mean, especially when you're trying to compare digital and, and um, user?
1: Okay. So, I mean, the, the, way that, the way that I see customer experience and, and overarchingly digital experience, right, is it, it's, it's kind of at the forefront of what businesses are thinking about right now. Um, digital transformation is a, is a core part of, of a lot of businesses strategic initiatives and you think about the why behind it is there's there's been a shift right in loyalty patterns the the loyalty has often been to a brand for a particular market or a particular segment however that shift has changed and the the shift is primarily down to the fact that we've got lots of cloud native um businesses that are that are coming into into the world and they're delivering seamless experience from the get-go. And that, that seamless experience is then something that we expect across anything that we leverage. I mean, you mentioned, mentioned shopping earlier, Justin, right? Shopping, for, for me, is is really simple. Um, it's two providers just based on digital experience. I won't name any of the providers, but it's because it's that simple. I open up an app, I find what I want, I select it, and it's it's here within a couple of days, uh, or maybe a day. and and that's kind of what customer experience is. However, from a from an enterprise or business's standpoint, what they're looking to do is simplify everything on the front end, simplify the way that we as consumers use services, which then attracts more people to that service. However, there's this complexity on the back end, which is often overlooked. And and that complexity is is what needs to be managed when it comes to customer experience. So that's kind of just
2: a bit of an introduction to customer experience so that makes sense you know the two things overlap right so digital experience customer experience because you could talk about customer experience in a shop right and so a guy walks into the shop does he have a good customer experience and then digital experiences is that same person having a good experience in the digital world right so when they when they go to your website it's like they've gone into your store you know are are they able to get the information they want are they able to Make a good purchasing decision, are they able to have a good purchasing process? right? Is the app responsive? Did it flow correctly? Did it upsell them? Did it give them offers? did they you know and it kind of kind of blends into this you know web optimization in terms of you know upselling people. so I think when you then go down to another layer right around the cloud it's are we are we allocating the compute and the services correctly? allow that application to perform in the best way. And when we get into cloud, it's a very complicated decision because the service catalogs are huge. Even just picking the template of a VM is a very complicated decision. You know, there's so many different families and uh, of, of types and storage tiers and then that's before we even get to picking, you know, should I buy a reserved instance? So there's, there's a massive amount of complexity there and platforms like, like CWOM are there to help us with these decisions because from our point of view, they've gone beyond human scale. Right? Making a choice is just so difficult. Uh, how do I make that decision so I get the best performance, so I get the best user experience, whilst remaining compliant to my policies and not overspend? Right? So that's where the complexity is, and that's where platforms like ours can help you.
0: And so, so just to understand that then, so C1, Cisco Workload Optimization Manager? Manager, yeah. Good, there you go. Um, that just takes the or manages the complexity for you as a, as a customer in the regards that I'm consuming a cloud service. I need something like that to make sure that it's doing what it says on the tin. It's delivering the services that I need to deliver and taking the complexity out of what are the services that I need.
2: Yeah, so, so what CWOM does, and it's not just about public cloud, it's a hybrid cloud control platform. Okay, so it's able to understand your full hybrid cloud, on-prem, in the cloud, cloud native. It understands everything that you currently have, okay, it understands what's available, and then it tries to align the two things together. So it will say, you know, this, this workload needs more resource, this workload needs less resource, this workload needs to move.
0: Does that drive towards a digital experience or a like the consumer experience, like the customer experience? Where does that drive to? The, the
2: primary objective of the platform is performance, and that by by driving performance of everything, it ultimately leads to the best customer experience because everything is performing in the most optimal way possible.
0: Okay, Kingsley.
2: Thanks, Justin. Yeah, just just to add on to that, and that
1: that's where the intersection of of AppDynamics and C one comes together, right? It's
0: because we've not talked about Dynamics that- before, though, in the podcast, have we? We haven't, I think it's... No, do you want to introduce to it saying. then? Do you want to...
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So so Dynamics is an AI ops-based platform that centers around understanding how applications are performing and what impact that, that has on the business itself. So what is the business impact? And the way that these two things relate together is AppDynamics tends to understand what's happening within the application itself, you know, what are users interacting with, what performance are they getting, what is the user experience, and we then relate that back to, okay, so if there's a problem, what's the dollar cost of that? So, if, if you think about um, the way that all of this comes together, there's, there's kind of three pillars, Justin, if you will, and the first one is is understanding environments, and This could be across a cloud or or an on-prem environment, or a mixture of both, right? But it's about understanding core domains of data. So business, application, user experience, infrastructure, network, and security, because all of these are are important to ensure, and to your point earlier, the, the digital experience. Then once you have all of that data set, what, what we then tend to do is understand when there is a problem, where does that problem lie? So, what, what is the root cause? And, and from there, you can take an action, right? Which is scaling resource up, moving resource, making sure it's um, compliant against policies. And that's kind of where AppDynamics and C1 fits together. It's the, in a nutshell, how is the user uh, user experience how does that relate to application performance what's the business impact understanding the problem and then going ahead and, and doing something about it
0: and so how and so that all leads into that sort of the digital experience of the user or as in the consumer of the of the of the application but also how the business can get make sure that they're getting the right the they're delivering a good experience
1: exactly yeah and and it also like, lends itself back to there's, there's these really simple experiences that we have as consumers that have a huge amount of complexity on the back end. This is a new way of managing that complexity where you have a framework, which, which we at Cisco call the central nervous system. And, and that allows you to get the right data, understand that data, and when there's a problem, be able to hone in on it and then fix that problem or remediate that problem um, as As fast as possible, often in a a, a hands off
0: manner right, so these are the tools that you'd need so you if I go through the whole the journey to cloud, you've thought about what I need to deliver, I've thought about what are the services I need to consume, who are the best places or where the best place for me to consume that, then I need to look at how do i how do i what is the right platform that I need to use it so I can move clouds very simply and easily. Uh, then I start to look at how do I make sure I'm delivering a great experience, both from the application, the user, and the business. C1, uh, Cisco Workload Optimization Manager, and App Dynamics, and then so you're delivering that great experience. So um, is that a fair summary of where we've sort of got to so far in the podcast?
2: That's a great summary, Justin. It's a really good summary. Yeah, and and I think that the way people are looking at it is, and and the starting point really is the applications, right? So need to, they're looking at each application and they're saying, okay, this application, is it going to be, A, is it going to be retired, retained? Does it need to be rewritten, replatformed? So that's the starting point, the application. Then they have to pick, is it going to stay on-prem in the private cloud, is it going to go public cloud? And then there's how it's actually going to run, right? Is it going to be infrastructure as a service, platform as a service? Is it going to be SaaS, right? Is it going to be something like Salesforce? So there's a, there's a big thing that's going on and it starts with the application and then a load of decision making to get it to you know its end state, and and the ultimate end state is to give the best user experience or customer experience.
0: Okay, thanks, mate. So Mateus, you've been you 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 haven't had a to get a word in edgeways, have you? I told you about I've been on a on a podcast with Welsh people. <laughs> but what does the what is that debate? You mean just give Crazy. us a short summary of what is the debate between cloud and on prem? Um... It, it
3: depends, again, you know, client by client. Um, there, there are clients who uh, already moved into the public cloud uh, and they just wanted to uh, make, yeah. So um, I think we're, we're seeing clients who uh, see the public cloud as the solution for uh, saving the costs uh, rather than being flexible. Uh, some clients are seeing the public cloud as being a flexible. Most of the clients want us to sit in between, uh, really, the private and the public cloud, and that's what we are
0: using. Is that a hybrid cloud? I'm just trying to think Sorry. of. I'm just trying to think of more words because we've got multi-cloud. It's just like if you got a bit, you got a bit of on-prem and a bit of bit of in the cloud. Is that is that hybrid? It could be hybrid. I
3: don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is indeed. It is indeed. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah. So, so this sort of a hybrid approach where they are keeping some of their compute on-prem and some of their services or computer moving uh, into the public cloud. That's usually the strategy uh, which clients are choosing. Uh, There are like various reasons for that. Uh, Some clients, it's because of the cost. Some clients having, you know, they they like that sort of the luxury of uh, having, for instance, like a service portal. So uh, they can easily, you know, their developers or their IT teams, they can serve themselves without needing of any help desk or any sort of processes. Just that sort of the easy way how to deploy uh, your applications and your services. Uh, it's it's great in a public cloud. And uh, I think that's uh, one of those things which changed a lot uh, how we are uh, deploying the private cloud and how we are seeing private cloud nowadays. Uh, you know, Clients want to see that easy way to deploy the services and manage their services and compute on the private cloud as they do in a public cloud. Um, I think you know the, this. This also helps to uh, be more efficient from the safe uh, from the cost perspective. Because, uh, as I as I mentioned before, uh, you know, public cloud doesn't mean necessarily uh, saving the cost. But if you're efficient and if you're leveraging both the private and a public cloud, you can significantly uh, save the cost and you can be much more efficient and much more flexible as a business uh, and you know you can address those issues which we uh, discussed uh, today there was for instance uh, the issue of being locked down, uh, a lockdown down to certain platform if you are running your applications on-prem and in a public cloud it's just much easier to uh, to shift your applications and your services between those two or to the other public cloud provider
0: so so in so, your feedback is that it's a bit of everything so you can have have but what are you're seeing from customers are uh, going a bit on prem and a bit in di- bit in different kind of cloud providers yeah. depending on what they want
3: absolutely you know there, there were times when uh, we went extreme into like everything into the public cloud, and I'm certainly seeing some clients you know who are fully in a public cloud and do, and they're doing great, uh, but uh, usually what we're seeing with the ninety nine percent of our clients is that balance uh, when you know some some clients are running you know 50 50 between the public cloud and private cloud some clients 20 80 between the public cloud and a private but they are leveraging both because they are seeing benefits and there are definitely benefits in both
0: so just to close this podcast off then where does the future lie for cloud
2: yeah so so i think that um we need to change the the, the way people think about it right it's not about cloud it's about cloud economics. That's what people are trying to achieve, which is not about, do I go to AWS or Azure? It's about some specific attributes, right? How do I present the service catalogue and a self-service portal to my users so they can order compute without having to speak to someone?
0: So in that perspective, the users are IT people then, isn't it? They're not like the It's not going to be be, a...
2: Not necessarily IT people, no. They could be lines of business. Think about why cloud took off, right? This is why cloud took off. I'm in HR. I want a virtual machine. I go to my IT department. They say, oh, it's going to take six weeks. I go to the AWS portal. I've got my VM 10 minutes later, right? That is how the whole thing took off, right? It was about, I want this. I can have it now, or I can wait six weeks for someone in IT to do it. So that's where the whole thing started. So what IT departments are now catching up with is how do I compete with that? How do I present this service catalogue and this cloud management portal to my, not necessarily IT, my lines of business so they can get compute quickly, they can scale it quickly, they have a catalogue of different things. I want a pre-built machine with these things deployed onto it, right? Because actually an internal department could produce that probably cheaper than cloud, but they need to catch up with it, right? So that's why I'm saying it's about cloud economics and not about public cloud. And once we switch that mindset, it doesn't matter where it runs, it's about those specific attributes like elasticity, right? Can I really get elasticity in my on-prem world? If I can, maybe I don't need to go to the public cloud, right? So that's where I think the conversation goes, is about talking about the attributes and the The requirements of people which is I want to spin this thing up fast I don't care where it runs I want it now I want to be able to do it and ultimately it all comes back to competitive advantage right how do I build this platform and this application against my competitor so I can gain customers and gain revenue. And that's really what the
0: conversation is That Does that become quite difficult though in regards to you? There's a lot of research, isn't it? It's like you've got, to, you've got to know what you're doing. You've got to go away and research it. You've got to go and work with companies like Intelliq or something like that to get some consultants. Because it, it's a lot of work, isn't it? Because if I'm a business, like I say, if I'm a retailer or, I, or whatever it is that I do that's not technology-based, i am going to try and work this out so and and it's and it's if you're going to make the right decision you've got to know the right questions to ask and you've then got to be able to go what are the resources do I really need and where is the most cost effective or the most performance best performance I can get to deliver the those outcomes that I need it does sound quite complicated or am I just being silly yeah no no it is it is and uh you know
3: I'm I have many discussions with the clients like this. I remember a few weeks back I had a discussion with a client who was saying, like, you know, our developers are going on a public cloud in the default. I want to move them on-prem, you know, I want to basically prohibit them to deploying anything on a public cloud. But that doesn't work this way, right? You have to realize, you know, why they are going on a public cloud. And the reason for that is it's easy to consume those services. It's easy to deploy, you know, if you need your virtual machine or Kubernetes cluster or containers, it's just way easier than going to your IT, ask them to provision your virtual machines, provision the infrastructure. You have absolutely no APIs and access into that infrastructure. So it's really difficult. So you have to have a look at it from a different perspective. You have to think and say, okay, the R developers are going to the public cloud because they have this portal and they can spin up their virtual machines and the containers immediately how we can achieve this on-prem. Uh, and luckily, you know, we we have a, we have the tools uh, and solutions like CBOM, like Cloud Center, which we can do, uh, and we can build those portals and give this sort of a comfort uh, to our clients and to their developers. So then, as you said, like, you know, they really don't care where it runs, if it's on-prem or public cloud, we will do it for them. But what the outcome is for them is the experience of Spinning up the environment for developing or mm-hmm. production in a in a minute, uh, either it's on prem or public cloud.
0: Okay, Kingsley, I can see you jumping at the bit. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I, I mean, simply put, right, the, the cloud has been adopted because it's it's driven by large initiatives which are to digitally transform services and applications that we as consumers use every day. Um, that that's the primary reason behind it. I mean, there's there's obviously the the benefits of elasticity and repeatability when it comes to deployment. There's also cost benefits. There's also agility in there. Um, but to to the point that you raised earlier, Justin, it's it's all pretty much built around delivering seamless digital experience. Um, and it's quite interesting actually. I'll, I, I noticed um, whilst reading the Agents of Transformation report earlier on this week that. Um, a study showed that around 88% of technologists actually report that digital customer experience is now their top priority. Um, and to be fair, I mean, that's probably only been exasperated with with the current climate that we've been facing, right? It's how do I transform as fast as physically possible? Um, I mean, we, we've mentioned lots of shopping examples today, so I'll, I'll give you another one. My local ice cream parlour, literally, they, they, they're so small that they... They, don't actually, well, they, they typically don't take credit or debit card, right? This, this, it's, it's going to be a cash-based thing. Obviously, they can't do that now, but people aren't going to the shop. What they've done in a short space of a couple of weeks is stood up an online platform whereby you can, you can order and, and buy ice cream and it's delivered to your door. I mean, that is, that's the promise of digital transformation and speaks to the agility and, and the grabbing of market share.
0: So that was their case of of that agility. of they digitised their business very quickly by using cloud services, they have, don't own any servers. They don't own any websites. They just went out and just can built it, and people can now and turn up at their house with a nice tub of ice cream.
1: So we get ice cream every Monday. It's great.
0: Ice cream Mondays.
1: Ice cream Mondays, mate.
0: Tidy. All right then. Um, <laughs> I'm going to close off the podcast now because otherwise we'll keep going for hours. When you got th- when you got three chatty Welshmen and an honorary Welshman from Prague. Um, so it's been really interesting today. So, so in summary, we've gone all the way from well, what is cloud to how to make sure that you're getting the most from cloud. You've got, I think the thing that comes through me from this podcast is you've got to know, you've got to ask the questions of what is it that you really want to do as a business. And then you've got to make sure that you're picking the, I mean, it's like knowledge. I think the future of cloud is the more knowledge or the more questions you ask means that you're going to get the better cloud provider or the best, best solution to what your business needs. And then you've got to look about how do I make sure that I'm not tied in? How can I move it? How do I'm ensuring that I'm delivering um, from a cost perspective? Am I getting value for money? Am I delivering the best value to my consumer, to my business? And then just be ready to think about, am I delivering that digital experience that my business needs? Is that a fair (laughs) one? No,
1: I scream, I promise. (laughs) But but what what I would add in is is just constant measurement of, of all of that, right? You know? how am I performing throughout that migration to leveraging cloud services is, is, is imperative.
0: Right. Measure. Measure how much ice cream can I consume on a Monday. Well, thanks very much, guys. Thanks, Kingsley. Thanks, to the way, uh, Matthias, coming in all the way from Prague. But thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks very much for, for explaining what cloud is in, in a very uh, succinct manner. And thanks very much for listening. Mm-hmm.